Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 11 of Calm Words for Anxious Hearts. And although I typically don't like to focus these podcasts on the theme of what we do, I prefer instead just to remind you of what God has done. But I also know that our practice matters, that how we respond to God's grace or don't respond matters, and that there are some things we can and must do not to earn God's grace, but simply to be aware of it, and frankly, to allow that grace into the deep places of our heart. And so today, I'd like to focus our time on the spiritual practice of gratitude. A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee, As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, Were not ten made clean, but the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to them, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. Here ends the reading. G.K. Chesterton once said that the worst moment for an atheist is when he or she feels grateful and there is no one to thank. I've been thinking a lot about that quote this week, and mainly because I'm keenly aware that we do have so much to be thankful for right now. You may know that I'm a big fan of Brene Brown's work. She's a best-selling author and somewhat of an expert on the subject of human emotion, And her research has given her great insight into what gratitude is and how gratitude works. And here is what she has found in all of her research. Gratitude is not an attitude or an emotion outside of our conscious control. Rather, it is a practice, a conscious choice, a focusing of the mind on what is good in such a way that our practice creates more joy and more generosity in our life. And I say that because our instinct is to assume that the exact opposite is true, that gratitude is a feeling we can't control, that it comes and goes like the ebbing and flowing of the tide. Or perhaps we think that joy, which you may recall we did an episode on quite recently, We often think that joy comes before gratitude, that if we feel joy, then gratitude will follow. But what emerged from Brene's research was actually the opposite, namely that 
the intentional and consistent choice to practice gratitude, that this is what creates joy in our life and opens the door to a greater sense of happiness and well-being. Which takes us to this biblical story we just heard where Jesus heals 10 lepers, only one of which returns to give thanks. And as I'm sure you know, in biblical times, leprosy was a disease that made you an outcast. And that's why Luke goes out of his way to tell us that in approaching Jesus, these lepers kept their distance. They didn't feel allowed or worthy to get very close to Jesus. But of course, Jesus chooses to get close to them. Jesus approaches these people who no one else will approach. Jesus heals them, every single one of them. And so they are all healed. And in a certain sense, we are all healed. But only one leper in the story returns to give thanks to God. Only one pauses long enough to see something deeper than a restored physical body. Only one pauses long enough to notice a dignity and a love that Jesus had shown, a love that allowed the healing Jesus had bestowed upon him to penetrate deeper into his heart. And Luke tells us that it's when the leper saw that he was healed, when he paused long enough to notice his life had changed, that is when he turns back, praises God, falls at the feet of Jesus, and thanks him. But notice he had to pause long enough to see the depth of his healing. Only then did the gratitude flow. And so here's the question I would have us consider today. In the midst of our life right now, are we pausing? Are we looking for traces of grace, signs of God's presence, moments of small healing? Are we aware, aware that our very capacity to hear these words right now and breathe and eat a meal later today and maybe even be under the same roof with someone we love, or at least we have someone in our life we can call? Are we aware that this is an amazing gift, something that perhaps we're used to taking for granted? Have we noticed that? Are we pausing? Are we practicing? And there is a reason, by the way, that we have to pause and practice and be mindful in order to feel gratitude. Brain studies have repeatedly shown that you and I are hardwired to focus on problems at the expense of a positive vision in our life. The human brain wraps around fear and problems like Velcro. We dwell on bad experiences long after they come and go, and we spend vast amounts of energy anticipating what might go wrong in the future. But positivity Gratitude and simple happiness, they slide off the brain with the utmost ease while all the negative stuff sticks. There's a neuroscientist by the name of Rick Hansen who's done a lot of work on this, and he's shown that we must consciously hold on to a positive thought or feeling for a minimum of 15 seconds before it leaves any imprint in the neurons. But again, The same is not true with our negative thoughts, our negative emotions, our negative experiences. They're happy to stick quickly 
and without any work on our part. And practically speaking, here's what that means. It means that if I see my two-year-old daughter doing a cute little dance and I know in that moment it's a miracle, or if I receive a kind note from a parishioner thanking me for my work, or if I'm aware of how fortunate I am to have a supportive wife and a healthy body, I have to breathe and focus on that experience or thought for a minimum of 15 seconds, and if I don't, my brain will not register it, meaning that the truth of what God has given me will not be fully incorporated or integrated into how I feel or view the world or even in what I sense to be true about God. And so we're going to do an exercise right now. I want you to think of something for which you are grateful. Bring that something to mind, something small that you know is a gift from God. I'll give you a second to think about that. And now, I want you to hold it consciously for 15 seconds with a posture of gratitude and to repeat the words, thank you, for 15 seconds as you ponder that gift in your life. So I'd encourage you to do that several times a day, and by that I just mean to pause and to notice the miracle of your life, because there really is so much more to see right now than lack and fear and scarcity. Because the point of today's podcast episode is deceivingly simple. God has given us everything, and the foundation of a deep experiential happiness is a willingness to pause on a routine basis, to look, to be present, and to see the healing blessings and riches that God lavishes on us day in and day out. And in doing so, not to feel, but to practice, to pause, to do something tangible as an expression of our gratitude. As N.T. Wright puts it, every mouthful of food we take, every breath of air we inhale, every note of music we hear, every smile on the face of a friend, a child, a spouse, all of that, and a million things more, are good gifts from God's generosity. There's a great story I sometimes like to tell when teaching on the subject of gratitude. It's about a young man by the name of John who was diagnosed with a cruel form of muscular dystrophy when he was five. And each year, John lost something. He lost his ability to run, to walk without support, and eventually to stand. John did not have many friends. His life was very painful and lonely. But one year, John got a break. He was named the ambassador for muscular dystrophy in the state of California, and he was invited to a high-profile charity dinner and auction. Athletes were there. Celebrities were there. John was there. When the auction began, there was one item in particular that really grabbed his attention. It was a basketball signed by the Sacramento Kings. John got a little carried away and started bidding on that ball, But because his family was poor, John's mom had to restrain him because she knew they could not afford it. 
But on went the bidding, higher and higher. That is, until one man, who had noticed what was happening, stood up, and he offered an amount that was so high it shocked the entire banquet hall. The bidding stopped. The man walked to the front of the room to claim his prize, but instead of returning to his seat, he walked across the room and he placed that basketball in John's thin, frail hands. The heart of Christianity is a belief that God does for each one of us what this man did for John or what Jesus did for these lepers. God notices us, God approaches us, and God even pays a shockingly high price to give us something we could never get by ourselves. You see, each one of us has been given the gift of life, the gift of love, the gift of salvation, and when we reject that gift, which we do every single day, God refuses to keep his distance. No, Jesus sees us in our struggle. He comes to us, and God places that which we lose, that which we long for, right back in our hands But the question is always, are we pausing long enough to notice? And are we being intentional about saying thank you? And so today I want to leave you with Paul's parting words to the Philippians. He writes, Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable— If there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. In other words, Paul knows that it would be so easy to focus on the negative, to get lost in worry, to ruminate in fear. But if we truly want to know what it means to root our life in the grace of God— Well, we have to make a habit of looking for grace, because here's the thing. Once we learn how to pause and look, we're going to find grace everywhere, even in the midst of very difficult circumstances.